0: reading this morning is uh, Acts 9:31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Let's pray together. Lord God, we just thank you this morning for your blessings. We come to worship you and praise your name this morning. We just uh, are grateful for the the sacrifice uh, that you made on the cross on our behalf so that we could be forgiven for our sins. We're just grateful for that, Lord, and thankful. Lord, we just pray that you'd have mercy on us as we've sinned and our nation, Lord, has has sinned and fallen short of your commands. We've disobeyed them. We just ask for mercy and forgiveness, Lord. We just uh, come to you also And uh, lift up to you Wayne and Jeannie as the missionaries this month that we are praying for especially and just ask that you would uh, just work in their lives so that they could uh, fulfill uh, the the work you have for them. We also just ask that you'd fill us with your spirit, that we could uh, do the things that you've called us to do, uh, to love our neighbors and to uh, be witnesses for you. We just pray for the ones that are listed in the bulletin, Lord, that need physical healing. And, Lord, we know there are also many others in our church family that have uh, needs and, and uh, just problems that uh, only you can solve that maybe we don't even know about. And, and you're involved in those. And we just pray for healing and help there lord uh, life can be kind of overwhelming many times and we know that you're the one that can help us to navigate through the tough times we just thank you so much for your love and mercy in jesus name amen.
1: thank you rick by the way i'm just going to throw a plug in here really quick for the gideons I probably would not be a pastor today and not a Christian today were it not for the Gideon New Testament I was given way back in the day. At least I know God used that in a very powerful way in my life. So uh, consider giving on the way out when Barry's standing. You can be back at that door over there. He'll be back. You'll take the greeting over for me as well, right? I can just kind of hang back and you can do all the greeting. You have to know everyone's name, by the way, for that. Um, just FYI. You know, I was uh, I was watching the first season of the reality TV show Alone. Not the first time I've mentioned it here. Uh, did I hear somebody applaud there? If any of you watched that show, it's the first reality TV show that ever caught my interest. They they take ten guys, and I guess in future seasons maybe they drop some ladies in there too. But they're all survivalists. They have some some amount of training in in being a survivalist, and they drop them into these inhospitable Places They give them a few tools, each person by themselves, and whoever lasts the longest doesn't go stir-crazy or doesn't end up, you know, dying from bear attacks, that person uh, wins, and uh, yeah, so they picked Vancouver Island in the first season, which I didn't know this about Vancouver Island, Island, Island sounds pleasant, but it's like this super cold rainforest, it's like the most rain in the northern hemisphere drops on Vancouver Island, it's just, it's this just dense forest, inhospitable to human life, rains almost all the time, there's hardly anything to use for firewood, and they drop these guys in there, and then they have to create these makeshift shelters out of a tarp and whatnot, and the first night they're there and try to get some firewood that's dry enough and get some fire going, or else they're going to die, and and then they kind of hunker down in the midst of a lot of rain and damp, and then eventually at some point, the sun comes out. And do you know what every single one of them does when the sun comes out? They start working. <laughs> They start working because they've, they've been just hunkered in there. They can't collect firewood during that time. They can't look for a, a source of water. They can't forage for food. They can't do anything. They're, they're just in there waiting for the rain to stop. And so when the, when the sun shines, it is, that, it is that proverbial making hay while the sun shines. It is the uh, calm before the storm because the storms are always coming. So you get that little window of time and you make do with it. We have here in front of us a verse today. How many are surprised that I'm preaching on only one verse? Hmm. I think my record is up to like 48 verses uh, in one Sunday. I don't like doing that. I usually don't like holding into just one single verse, but this verse is a very pivotal verse. It, it is a transition in the text. It's a fulcrum point. It's a little snapshot of the church at that moment, and uh, it, it really bears... Uh, looking at, and if if we if we see what has happened and what's about to happen, you have Paul, who was persecuting the church. He's converted. Of course, he was called Saul at that time. Um, converted on the road to Damascus, and he's had two plots to kill him. And in the second one, they whisk him away to Tarsus, his home, which is in another country. It's in Cilicia, and so we come to this. It's an interlude. It is a peaceful, momentary calm in the life of the early church. And the question is, in God's providence, why? Why? For what reason? Is it just the ebb and flow, like there's going to be times of war, there's going to be times of peace, and so this just happens to be a time of peace, or is there more to it? And I think there is more to it, and that's what we're going to look at today. Pay attention when God gives us peace. Pay attention when God gives us peace. Let's read it again. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. If you're looking in your bulletin with those blanks, you could probably already pretty much guess and fill out all of the blanks. I don't doubt that you could. That's fine. that That won't offend me. But there are five kind of things or points that we should attend to. About this peace first of all he god sovereignly grants times of peace to the church Again, why would there be peace at this time? Now there's a little word there at the beginning of the text a little two-letter word so When you see that if you understand the grammar of why a word like so is there You know that it is it is saying that something that has preceded it Leads us to this place And what had preceded it? Paul or Saul Saul had been ravaging the church. He he had been just breathing out murderous threats against the church pursuing them to foreign cities places like Damascus. I would say that Paul was a take no prisoner kind of guy except he did take prisoners and then he and then he bound them in chains and he took them back to Jerusalem and and, and he interrogated them and he tried to get them to blaspheme and he brought them to trial and and all at once you know God just says that's enough. I'm going to make that guy my servant. And Christ meets him on the road to Damascus, and also he's taken out of the equation completely at this point because he's, he's off to Cilicia. So in the vacuum that he creates, no one takes his place. It's like that guy was so crazy. He was like Javert, you know? Is that how you pronounce it, Javert in Les Miserables? The, the, the guy that goes trying to prosecute And he'd just go to the ends of the earth Because he has got to catch this one wrongdoer Jean Valjean And, uh, and that's Paul But nobody once it's like Nope, don't want to be that guy So when he's off the scene All at once there's this, there's this momentary time of peace We saw how Saul's conversion Was a sovereign work of God It was almost If you could say any conversion Was ever just utterly against the person's own will This would be the example of it like, he is all one thing, and then Jesus just sort of almost just smacks him down and says, Hey, uh, while you're blind there, buddy, let the, you, know, you, you go and I'll let you know what, what I'm going to use you for. And there's no protest on, on his part. It's God sovereignly act, acting for the, for the sake of the church and for the sake of the gospel. I also read that during this time period, historically, that the jewish people were dealing with the romans right about this exact time period the emperor claudius had had kind of clamped down on the practice of judaism in the roman empire and that they were so busy trying to deal with rome as a people that they kind of lost interest in the christians so there's this little little window Ah, you know this the sun comes out why why would god do that well it's a very densely packed verse here but again think about the whole direction of the book of acts and understand that this is kind of a hinge verse if you recall at the beginning of the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 Jesus said this is how it's gonna go do you remember how it was gonna go okay stay in Jerusalem Holy Spirit come on you then you'll be my witnesses you'll be here and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth we've just met Paul and he's going to figure in the last half of the book of Acts is almost all Paul isn't it all Paul all the time Should be called the Acts of Paul from about you know this point onward almost Um, We've met him in the coming week or two We're going to look at Peter as Peter crosses that threshold into the Gentile um, Ministry into the mission to the Gentiles So we're at this we're at this little hinge point aren't we You look there, it mentions Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, the church there having peace. And that region that it's talking about is pretty much the whole of Israel, isn't it? It's pretty much everything that God had given to the 12 tribes. And we're going to pick up with Peter, and Peter's going to be on his way up the coast. And it's almost like, yep, we just kind of, you know, we're done. We're on our way to Caesarea. A couple things happen on as he goes, and then it's opened up to the Gentiles. So it's as if at this transitional moment, God is saying to the church, hey, take a breather. <laughs> Let's have some peace. It's a gift of God at that point where everything's about ready to explode. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me here? Do you think there's anything analogous for us or for the church In this regard. I think there is. I mean I think there are times. When we feel as though. God gives us a breather. (laughs) How many have had one of those lately? Nope. (laughs) Yeah me either. It's been been tough. But I guess if you put it in historical terms. We're not actually being persecuted here. um, As it were in the church here in. America Uh, it's it's kind of like you're you're on that Vancouver Island again and the rain has been coming and the storm and the winds and then there's that that morning where you wake up and the sun is shining you know and you hear that that song you have to watch a lot of cartoons when you're a kid to get that um (laughs) it's always happened in the Bugs Bunny cartoons when the sun would come up on a sunny morning um and it's just like this is the time people this is this is a moment this this moment of peace is a gift of god so we want to be attentive to that like maybe it's not a coincidence if god gives you a time of strength a time of physical health a time of peace and especially as a church if we as a collective group if we enter into a time like that man we want to do something with that we we want to see god at work all right Times of peace are times for God to build us Times of peace are for time are times for God to build us The church had peace was being built up is what it says So you see the connection that that there was peace And that the church was being built up I don't know if you're into grammar Actually, I probably do know if you're into grammar Like when does everybody anybody ever go? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Grammar. But it, this is simple grammar. It's in the passive voice, both in the English and in, in the underlying Greek, that being built up. In other words, it doesn't say who's doing the building up, does it? The church is being built up, but who's doing the building? God, there you go. See, that's always almost, almost always the right answer in church. God, Jesus, and you know, that, that, but that's true. God is the one building up. And I love that. Go back to Vancouver Island again. Those poor guys, they drop them in there, and uh, and the, in the early going, they just have to try to get something set up, and uh, hopefully, they it's like they, I don't know, they land at 10 in the morning or whatever, and they have like 10 tools they get to bring with them, and a tarp is one thing in there, and it's like, okay, get busy, and they have to get busy, and they have to throw that up, that makeshift shelter, and so much of the time is just spent surviving, waiting for that, waiting for that time where they can go out and start constructing like a, a more permanent shelter and bringing in the firewood and all those kinds of things makes me think back to the story of nehemiah nehemiah had a time of peace that god had given them they came back from the babylonian captivity i know this is, for some of you this is history you don't know and that's fine don't just just go with it but they get back there with the, this little remnant of the people of God back into the homeland and they start building the wall of Jerusalem because it's been destroyed and they're building it back. And they have peace, but it's a very, <laughs> it's a very tentative peace because they're surrounded by enemies that at any moment are threatening to destroy them. So they have to build the wall with their spear in their hand. Now, that is, a, that is some tough construction uh, going on there when, when you have to do everything one-handed, as it were, but that's, that's, that is how they did it. Can the church be built in times of warfare? Can we build when there's no peace? I hear yes. I think that's correct. Yes, yes it is possible. God is a God of wonders, and God has done that, But what we see in this text is that there that there is a time for peace. And when there is a time for peace, we should be building or better put here, we should be being built. That's clunky grammar, (laughs) but it's true. We should be being built during times of peace. And if you look, if you ask the question, well, how do what does it mean to be built up? You can look at the, the book of Ephesians where Paul describes how the church builds itself up. What are the two ways that the church is meant to build itself up? Okay, there's kind of two facets there. On the one hand, you have the leaders of the church that are supposed to be enabling the building up through the preaching of the word, the teaching and preaching of the word so that the people are being fed and, and, and nourished with the word of God. But then also, each piece of the body, that's not, unless you're a zombie, that's not really the way to talk about it, but each part of of the body joined together with every other part of the body is to join together and build up one another. So there's two ways that I, that I think was, was happening here, that the church uh, of, of that time period of, of uh, what is it, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, that the churches were being built up in that way. What might that suggest to us as a church? The church here is is not in a time of true persecution, is it? We are in a time of peace. We've had a very long time of peace in the American church, haven't we? Do you think that's going to end anytime soon? Do you think maybe that's already on the verge of of coming to a close? I do. I'm not sure that that we're going to have decades and decades left of the kind of freedom that we've had in this country but i mean and i know not all churches have experienced quite the peace that 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 we have um and and we're not without our turmoil but i mean i was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying that during covid 30 percent of clergy left the ministry do, do you think that's possible i didn't check this stati- but according to their sti- this this organization statistic 30% of, of pastors had left the ministry during COVID. So what do we do? What, how do we use peace? That's the thing. If we, we, we need to notice what kind of time we're in. And we ought not become lazy or lackadaisical. If God is giving us peace, then that is precisely the time we need to be built up. Okay, thirdly, times of peace are times he multiplies us. Look again at that second half of the verse. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, notice there are three things that are being said of the church so far. It, it was given peace. It, mul- it, it was being built up. And it was multiplied. Interesting, uh, again grammar nazis people that love grammar this is also in the passive voice even though it's it's uh it's translated in in a very active way that the church sort of in an intransitive way uh, multiplied but in the greek it's in the passive which i don't know if that's intended to convey but it's sort of suggesting that the multiplication itself once again came from god does that fit with other places in scripture that you know how does how does the church multiply how does the church grow I planted, Paul says, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And that suggests that we are to be at work, but no matter how hard we work, no matter, how, no matter how lazy we are, whatever growth we see is growth that God... I mean, yes, we can have fake growth. There's always fake growth that we can point to, like putting a Christmas tree up here and saying, there's the new orchard we just planted, um, It's not real, but it kind of looks like a tree, so we go with it. There's fake growth, but when there's real growth, that's from God. That is from God. He multiplies. If we took the parable of the sower, when the sower goes out to sow seed, who made the seed? God did. (laughs) Where's the life from the seed coming from? It comes from God. Then he has to go out and he has to throw it onto soil. Who made the soil? God did. Who prepares the soil? God prepares the soil. Oh, what's our role? We just go out and we throw the seed. We just, we just, we just do what God tells us to, and then God multiplies. Again, can God use times of tribulation to multiply the church? Yeah, and He has. You think back. Matthew Henry points this out that if you look back to Israel when it was in Egypt for those four hundred years, do you remember what concerned the Egyptians that that? the reason they started killing the, the male babies, do you remember why they were doing that? It was because Israel increased so many in number they were starting to get scared. There's too many There's too many of these Hebrews in our midst. But I love what, what Matthew Henry says, but saying that, yeah, God can definitely grow us during times of tribu- tribulation, but he says, yet if it were always so, the saints of the Most High would be worn out. <laughs> That's practical, isn't it? Calvin says this, he says, um, and this is paraphrasing him, such times of peace are not common, so we should not take them for granted. When God is giving us peace, we should be paying attention. What is that peace for? It is a time for God to grow the church. It is a time for him to multiply it. Now, about this time, if you're paying attention, you're probably feeling how I felt about the time I was really putting this together, which is a little guilty <laughs> and i'm not trying to lay a big heavy guilt trip on you here because i think there's a lot of grace and mercy in this text and and uh and yet you know what i look back at i think about gideon you remember gideon and they were oppressed by the midianites at that time and so what was gideon do when the sto- what was he doing when this story opens do you recall that He was down in a wine press, which was a, you know, that was dug down into the ground. He was down in there threshing grain because the Midianites were threatening to come and burn or steal whatever they, whatever they harvested. But you know what? I, I don't have Midianites in my life. Any of you dealing with a lot of Midianites? No? I'm not. So I'm not down in the wine press threshing grain. A lot of times I'm not out in the field threshing the grain either. Where am I? A lot of times I'm just sitting on the tree watching the clouds roll by. Going, thank you God, thank you Jesus for beauty and a wonderful day and, and man, I'm just feeling so refreshed here. And there's nothing wrong with that on the one hand. I want to be really quick to say God gives us Various kinds of times in our life and days and moments where we are to enjoy the world that he made and the people in our lives that he's placed there and good food and, and you know, time to dance and a time to sing and all that merriment. And, but you know what? It's supposed to be more than just that. And we ought to be perceptive. You know, Paul says redeem the time because the days are evil. And so when we have peace, we should be looking, how does God want to grow us? How does he want to multiply us? Now at that point, you might be looking at this going, but you're talking a lot about God's sovereignty and all these passive, you know, verbs here. So what do we actually do? What are we called upon to do? Well, look at this. It says, in times of peace, we are to walk in the fear of the Lord. It says, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Yeah, God gave them peace. God was building them. God was multiplying them. But they were practicing two important habits. The first of those is the one we're talking about right here. They were walking in the fear of the Lord. Do you know what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord? Are you walking today in the fear of the Lord? Well, first of all, what's the walking business about? We don't talk the way the people of the Bible talk. We talk about living our lives. But they, t- they tended to think of it as walking, walking on a journey, getting from point A to point B. That's living your life, to live your life in the fear of the Lord. Then you say, well, what's the fear of the Lord? Well, let's start with what it's not. Because when we hear fear of the Lord, we, we may think of this craven, cringing fear of God as if God were this malevolent, monster out there, up there in heaven, just ready to gobble us, just waiting for us to make one mistake, and then just come in and just destroy us. And they think of that as the fear of the Lord. And you know what? <laughs> I don't think that's what the Bible means by the fear of the Lord. In fact, I think that plays into the hands of the devil. Because if you go back to the the story of creation itself and Adam and Eve, what did the serpent say to Adam and Eve? Effectively, he said god is a mean grudging god who doesn't want you to have a good time he doesn't want you to have any good thing look he gave you all these trees but then he didn't let you eat any of it that's what the devil said because he's trying to get them to think of god as this as this ogre as this withholding grudging person god god is good he is a good father And so whatever we understand about the fear of the Lord, that has to figure into it. We can't see him as this one who simply wants to destroy us. Fear of the Lord, I believe, is a sober appreciation for the majesty and the worth and the power and above all, the holiness of God. His holiness is so beyond us, and we know it, we perceive it like he is... Yeah, we're not there, and we know we're not there, and and a fear of the Lord is to want to walk in in that kind of obedience and that kind of holiness which is pleasing to our heavenly Father. We might even fear the discipline of the Lord. But again, that would be as sons of a father, and we know our our Father is good. In practice, it means that we're to grow in obedience, in holiness, when it is a time of peace. Peace. In times of peace, we should be making every effort to grow in holiness in the fear of the Lord. So whether we are the prodigal son or the older brother, it doesn't matter. We should be pursuing holiness. If we're in the far country, what do we realize about our father? That he's an ogre. He's back there. He's wanting to kill me. Well, that's a good reason to go home, isn't it? No. What does he realize in the far country? The servants of my father have it better than I do. And he, and, he, and he goes home knowing the character of his father to forgive him. And and, 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 God, and the father puts clean clothes on him. And, 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 and that represents that, that walk, that new walk in holiness. And if you're the older brother, then it's turning to, turning to the father and saying, you know, I, I've been a bitter, stuck-up, self-righteous so-and-so. And, and, and I need your grace. I need your kind of mercy. I need the kind of love that I see in you. It is, it is to pursue that holiness. Here's a dirty little secret, speaking of people out in, you know, in the far country. A dirty little secret. When we have peace, that is when we are most tempted by the devil. Think about this for a minute. When it was a time of war, David chose to send the army to fight in essence, he picked a time of peace for himself. Like, I'm just going to, they can go fight the war. It was then that he went up to the, the, the roof of the palace, and he looked out, and he saw Bathsheba. And, you know, that you all know the rest of the story, as, as they would say. But um, it seems to me like it's, it's in those times of peace that we're naturally most tempted which is why when I started saying this at the very beginning that, that we need to pay attention when there are times of peace. We need to pay attention that the time of peace is used for what it is meant. But that we not fall into what is so easy during times of peace. And that is to sort of sit back and eat and drink and be merry and and uh, and miss what God's doing. And worse yet, instead of walking in the fear of the Lord, we end up falling into sin and uh, and, and just Feeding our flesh. The other habit is this: walk with him in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It says, in walking in the fear of the Lord, then we're just rereading what we already read, but the other half of it there. Walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So what is the church doing? Walking in the fear of the Lord, walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Problem here is the word comfort. We love the word comfort. Um a good word except in the Greek it's one of those words that can mean a lot of different things it doesn't just mean comfort for instance it almost also means exhortation and you go well those are really close aren't they comfort and exhortation but they're not identical either are they like if your dog dies what do you want do you want the comfort or the exhortation at that point yeah Somebody comes to you and says, yeah, grow up, it was just a dog. That's exhortation. It's not what you needed. If you just shoplifted, what do you need? (laughs) Comfort or exhortation? Yeah, you don't need to be told, oh, you poor pitiful thing. Why would you shoplift? No, that's when you need to be told, stop stealing. The word translated comfort is the same word that you've heard. How many have heard the Greek word paraclete? That's a, actually the English version of a Greek word, Pericle. It's the word in John 14 where Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, and he says, one will come after me like me, uh, you know, the comforter. And there's that word. That's, the, that's that word that can mean so many different things. It, it literally, at its most, and it was rarely used in its most literal way in Greek, but it, it would literally mean to be called, uh, mean to be called alongside of. So the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside and ministers to our need, and our need sometimes is comfort, and our need sometimes is exhortation. Do you remember what we talked about with the Holy Spirit back in chapter 8? And I'm guessing the answer is going to be no, but I'll refresh your memory. Back in in chapter 8, the Holy Spirit didn't fall on the Samaritans right away. And I said at that time that the likely reason why that happened was The Holy Spirit was preserving the unity of the Jewish church with the Samaritans. You recall that? And we went to, at that point, we went over to, (laughs) this is circuitous, so you really have to pay attention, but we went over to Galatians 5 to look at the Holy Spirit. We talked about the deeds of the flesh in chapter 5 versus the fruit of the Spirit. And what we saw when we looked at the deeds of the flesh is that according to the flesh, there's all sorts of things like enmity and division and hatred and jealousy and envy, all those things. Those things which you know, go against the idea of good fellowship. And then you look over at the fruits of the Spirit and you see that what the Spirit brings is love and joy and peace and all those things that make for an undivided church that is growing in love. So there's the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I think, that's meant in that way, that the Holy Spirit is ministering unity within the body, preserving the, the love and, and, and the connection. Does that make sense? But if you go to Romans 12, it talks about the Holy Spirit there in terms of the gift of exhortation. And in, in Romans 12, that, that work of the Holy Spirit is the, is the words of, of the prophets and the preachers, and so forth, exhorting the people of God. Are you tracking? Because I know this is a lot. So two things are, when we're talking about the church growing in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, two things are happening. One One thing that's happening is that the Holy Spirit working in our midst is keeping that loving unity. It's fostering those things, which make for an undivided church. And then he's also working through the ministry of the word, through the exhortation that is there. So the, the churches of Judea, Samaria, and Galilee were growing in the way the church is meant to be growing. You know, though, there's something unnatural about that. And I think you'll understand when I, when I say it. When are we more likely to have unity? If we put it in terms of, of a sort of a military idea, would it be the troops that are back in the background, maybe in the supply lines way back, away from the front? Or is it on the front line when men are dying side by side? Where is there likely to be greater love and unity happening? Are you going to have more, un- more unity in times of peace or in times of war? War, right? Right? And so th- this kind of goes against just sort of our, the, the logic of how we think. But what the, t- the text is telling us is that we are to use times of peace to do those things and to seek those things which actually bring about that, that loving unity and, 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 and comfort of the Holy Spirit that causes Christian growth. It calls for a diff- very different Outlook in terms of how we see times of peace, doesn't it? How long do you think that peace lasted that Acts 9.31 describes? Would you like to know? I don't have an exact number of days, but um, this probably was being written about a time that happened around 40, f- somewhere between maybe 40 and 42 A.D., Nero was burning Christians in 64 AD, burning them at the stake, lighting up the the whole Roman skyline with the bodies of Christians tied to stakes, covered in pitch, and set on fire. So, um, by my reckoning, you know, a couple decades at best, and and in between there were all sorts of lesser persecutions on the part of of various synagogues that that persecuted Christians on on a local level. It didn't last a, a super long long time. We don't know how much longer our time of peace lasts. In relative terms, here locally, but then you look at, you know, nationally with with the U.S. and where we're at today. So what does that say about the time we're living in right now? What does it say about your individual life right now, Christian? If God has given you health and strength and relative peace what does god want to do with those kinds of times doesn't it make sense that we ought to be walking in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy spirit pursuing the work of god by which he builds us and multiplies us that's the task at hand let us pray let us seek that that yeah, that, that very different way of looking at times of peace. It's so easy to go off the rails. It's so easy to use times of peace to be lackadaisical, to forget what we're about, to fall into division and all other things. Um, but we want to use it Wyatt, for, for the reasons it's there. I hope if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ today, that, that you might hear this and that God might use the message of the gospel to... Yeah, to make you part of the multiplication that's talked about here. And as I said earlier, we, we in the church cannot strong arm you. In, I mean, God can knock you down on the road to Damascus, but I can't. I can't twist your arm. What I can do is sow the seed. And God gives the seed, and God prepares the soil. And if he's prepared your heart today and you hear the gospel, may it fall into a receptive place so that that gospel might spring to life. The gospel is that God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to save sinners, and we're all sinners. <laughs> we're all sinners. And he, he was put to death on the cross. He rose the third day, such that all who repent and believe in Him would have life in His name. And when that happens, and I trust that God will do that, then come and be built into the church. Be built up and multiplied in this Body or wherever God would bring you but but let God do that in your life. Let's pray Father I pray that we would uh, be attentive to times of peace Because you give those and you do that through your sovereign purposes and you have it Incorporated in into your providence and and your plan for us So we we acknowledge that we exalt that we take comfort in that Lord Help us to walk in a right fear of you lord not fearing that that you desire to somehow destroy us or ruin us not not that kind of fear but lord a right fear of how holy and righteous and good and loving you are and and just lord that we would that we would desire with all our heart to live in a way that glorifies your name and um and we pray lord that you'll use this message today to draw someone to Christ. Lord, we we want to see that multiplication and we can't do it, Lord. We, We admit all we can do, Lord, is faithfully do what you've called us and you have to give the growth. So we pray that you would do that for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and praise him this morning.